Hey folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. This is your host, Mishka Katkov, and you're listening to this week in games segment of the podcast. In this episode, my internet dies halfway through, so I'm just doing an apologies in front uh, before you start listening to, and um, it might be even a more enjoyable episode without me. It's up to you to decide. There's going to be a lot of banters where there, when there's no referees, just two Eric's. But anyways, tune in next time. I promise the internet will be fixed one way or the another. So have a have a good and enjoyable listen and have a great day, a great night, and catch you next week. This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do, do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward slash DOF for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. We want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite powered by a reliable deep linking engine lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Hey, and welcome everybody to This Week in Game, episode 148. We got 75% of the crew. We got 
the two Eric's, Mr. Sufert, Mr. Kress, myself, Mishka Katkoff, and Adam Telfer is currently out in some very, 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 very important meeting. Uh, so you can talk about the news. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm all good. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, uh, my wife is out of town, so I'm on like solo oh. parenting duty, which uh, oh. is hard. Sixth Street. <laughs> I hear Sixth Street is, ca- is calling, right? <laughs> I actually, I was on Sixth Street last I went, um, I had, I bought, I bought concert tickets like months ago. And mm-hmm. my wife scheduled this trip just recently. And so, like, yesterday, you know, I go pick up my son. I get dinner ready. I get him to bed early, which is always a risk. Like, he's just going to flip out. But he was fine. Like, I put him to bed early. I felt like a hero. I organized a babysitter. <laughs> she came over. I go down to the venue. And I pull up outside the venue. I'm like, shit. It's, like, totally empty. And I, I just, like, the first thing I see is the marquee saying the concert's tomorrow. And I'm like, how did I, oh, <laughs> no. how did I not check the date? <laughs> And so I'm like, all right, well, I prepaid the sitter till 11 Mm -hmm. and I'm in downtown Austin. I guess, you know, there's worse places I could be, you know, with the prepaid sitter. So I ended up popping into this stand-up show, which was like the worst stand-up show I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And then I just felt like, Austin was like, (laughs) I didn't get wasted. I I went to the stand-up show uh, and then walked around uh, till it was like 11.45 or 10.45 and then I called an Uber. Um, But anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was like, my my big night out, my big, uh, my big opportunity was just like wandering the streets like a <laughs> like a sad like a sad solo dude. Oh I, no! I, I, yeah, completely different story. But I I just had a call uh, last the last hour with like thirty prospects, investment prospects for my service, and uh, I swear to God, no matter how much I do this stuff, I still had stress dreams last night about it. You know, like forgetting a test or like not knowing where to go for. A t- I mean, it's like. It's crazy. Like all, after all this time of doing this for what I don't know, ten years, but uh, but I think it went well. Um, I was Chris, my... you have to tell everybody what you do because this is the most common question that I get. Is like, what does Eric Crest do? <laughs> so, so well, somehow I've convinced a bunch of investors to listen to me in terms of what to do in terms of trading these gaming games. So my primary <laughs> business is. Uh, I'm on uh, on retainer with like 17 uh, investments, both hedge funds and long onlys, to talk to them about the video game space um, and and to give them data points on what's going on so that they can trade the space more effectively. Yeah. That's basically my main uh, business. All right, now everybody heard it. You don't have to ask me what <laughs> Eric Chris does because I'm like um, he helps like with Corp Dev. I think he worked with Google and Fun Plus and WB. At least, yeah, no. at least what I remember. Yeah, but, but the other thing is, I do I consult for uh, some industry. But I, my primary, uh, yeah, my primary client right now is, is Warner Brothers, where I consult for both console and mobile strategy. But, um, Be- but yeah. I do those on a very uh, <laughs> specific basis because that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've gotten a lot of like I, I get a lot of fun because now that people are seeing each other, so I'm able to get some feedback face to face. And there's always like, you know, you have some good chemistry going on, and and it always leads to like, what does Eric Crest do? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the final question. You know like, so, <laughs> Sorry, I do want to go too deep in this, but what's what's funny is that part of what I do for the <clears throat> investors is what makes it this thing work for me is that. A lot of people, the, the investors have no time for bullshit. They just want the answers. They just want like the mm-hmm. the, 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 the summary of it. And so con- concisely to bring down things to like the core things, like forget the other like 
like the 80% rule, right? 80% of what I say is like pretty good, but I don't consider the rest of the 20%. Like that actually works in this space. But if you work at a company, a game company or whatever, it, that does not work. Like you're like 100, 110%. So people like Adam Telford are the 100, 110% people. And I'm the 80%, yeah. which works for hedge funds, but does not work for companies. God, that's <laughs> one way I describe it. And so, yeah, anyway, I, 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 I do a lot of, I, I mean, I do like a reasonable amount of consulting work for like, funds and stuff and it's like you have to like psych yourself up ahead of those calls because these these guys come in and they just machine gun questions at you and they push back and argue with you and like it's stressful really? it's not it's not like a, it's not like a, a casual conversation it's like war you're going to war when you talk to these guys <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's be, really intense yeah you have to be buttoned down with these guys these guys are some of the smartest people in the world right they're all yeah. i mean not to mean ivy leagues are the smartest people but they're all like ivy league educated mm -hmm super super type a people and you cannot bullshit them you cannot yeah. bullshit if you're not if you don't have a fact you do not say it right you do not like you can you know make sure you know what opinion anyway it is it is stressful in that way but i've had these relationships with these guys for over 15 mm -hmm. years some of them so it's 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 better it's easier interesting they i don't even me. know if i've taken is what is like coleman research and those type of things are are that like is yeah, that I mean, leg legit yeah coleman and, and um Mm -hmm. Oh my god, I forgot the name of the biggest one. CGG, like some three no, letters. GL, GLG. 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 Those are yeah, expert yeah. networks. And and they use those just to talk to industry people directly. Got is, it. Yeah, because um, I sometimes get connected through those and I'm, I'm like, I don't have time. Uh -oh. They're like, please. And then they start calling you from, from wherever. But um, All right, let's move. Let's get going. All right, let's, let's move. Let's move to news. Let's do most updates. Okay, I'm going to start with a bunch of updates. So. Number one, I think this was a very big news a um, couple of days ago. So three hour a week playtime is over for China's young video gamers. So apparently China has forbidden under 18 year olds from playing video games for more than three hours a week. A stringent social intervention that is said was needed to pull the plug on a growing addiction to what is what it once described as spiritual opium. So they limit under 18s from playing for one hour a day from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can't even choose the hour. Like, it's already put in. And and on only on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. It's like a, it's like a gaming show or like, like a, you know, like you're watching your favorite show come in. And according to Xinhua, uh, if I'm pronouncing correctly, State News Agency, they can also play for an hour at the same time on public holidays. So, you know, quick take, good luck on competing in esports. It's going to be a, a rough, rough <laughs> uphill battle. So shout out to Korea, who is going to dominate. No, but in all seriousness, it's a major hit for gaming companies in, in China and the Chinese market. And I think we'll see the repercussion in the Western markets uh, because, I mean, they are making great games and they have to push them somewhere. And if they can't be played in their home markets, they're going to be played in the Western markets. Um, and... Um, yeah, and to some extent, as a parent, I kind of get it because when you restrict the playtime, uh, you restrict iPad time, I think that's beneficial for the kids. I don't know, for 18-year-olds, I'd be more like, you know, under 12, but all right, whatever. Let's. All right. I, my two takeaways from this are one. One, Roblox China strategy is now null and void, which never made sense to nope. begin with. Let's, let's, let's put that on the table, right? And, um, and two... Is if if it's even possible, Tencent's like going to get more aggressive at coming to the West because China is crazy. Like this is like these are like crazy policies, right? But that but 
it's aligned with the fact that, that who knows what they're going to do, right? So I think if if Tencent is is got to continue to think about and that all the any any China company's got to think about diversifying outside of China with these kind of yeah. insane things. Yeah, I think this is just even better news for Western game devs <laughs> looking for funding. I mean, this is going to heat up the funding space even more. I think in the West because they got to get their money out of there, right? They got to move it over to the West. Yes, yes. Um, and then, okay, so let's continue with the update. So th I, I thought this and this had something to do with it, but it doesn't. Uh, League of Legends World Championship has been moved from China to Europe. The move happened just weeks before the competition is set to begin. And according to Riot, it's all, it's about travel restrictions and COVID protocols that made it a challenge to hold the event in China. So it has nothing to do with the, with these regulations, though there's a question of how big of a gaming market is China going to be in 10 years, assuming that these regulations will hold, like is, you know, what's going to happen to, to league in China. So I don't know, but, uh, that was an interesting news. I kind of read it and made an update because I thought it had something to do with the, with the previous news. Um, moving on, Netflix has started testing Android games for users in Poland. So they started testing a couple of days ago. Now members in, in Poland can try Netflix mobile gaming on Android with two different games. Stranger Things, Stranger, Stranger Things, uh, 1984 and Stranger Things 3, all part of as, as a membership. So essentially Netflix is using their service as a cross promotion platform. It's just scroll down and, and now you see a band, uh, a sort of like a section for games. And that's where the, uh, the two Stranger Things games are. And I think a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the Stranger Things game. I think it's called Puzzle Path. Anyway, the puzzle RPG game that, that came out of Next Games. Um, and what it seems like is there's going to be at least, at least two other Stranger Things games coming in at the same time. Uh, two of them already in the Netflix service. So uh, I've made the uh, the tough investment of selling the rest of my net of my next game stock uh, because I'm I'm really afraid of like how many how many Stranger Things games are there coming you know uh, during this and next year and how is their game going to stand out given that it has some challenges with the uh, with the whole collection meta um, in adjacent in, in, tied to the uh, the Stranger Things universe. Um, any comments on Netflix, guys? Nope. No. No. All right. Moving on. Hero Wars. A Hero Wars maker, Nexters, is going pub public through a SPAC with a $1.9 billion valuation. So Netflix, Net, Nexters public listing is also expected to support its aim to become the leading consolidator in the gaming space in the Russian-speaking countries, Eastern Europe, and beyond capitalizing on the significant opportunity in the market while deploying its proven value creation playbook to support other companies and driving meaningful synergies over time. Wow. Okay. So, so, so I was looking at the, at uh, the board of the, uh, of the Nexter and interestingly it has Playrix founders on it. And, um, and yeah, so I, and Hero Wars is their key game and with Hero Wars, their installs actually peaked in April at 5.5 million. Uh, a month, and they're currently just at two million a month. So there's been quite significant decline over installs. But on the revenue side, they're doing great. So they're making about twenty million net revenue a month, according to Sensor Tower. And for context, Scopely Strike Force Marvel game are at sixteen million net revenue a month. 
and Plarium's Raid Shadow Legends are doing about 21, so at 1 million more than, than Nexter. So neck to neck, and both of the games were launched pretty much at the same time. Uh, though for Plarium's Raid, they're actually, according to uh, very, very um, credible sources, they're doing pretty good outside mobile as well with their, um, with their web SKU. Not web SKU, uh, PC SKU. Eric, any, or Eric, easy to say, Eric, any comments? I, I have many comments, but I will just say that a company like this has no business being public. I'm going to say it again, <laughs> the same thing that I keep saying. They have no other games besides Hero Wars, which is an amazing game, and it's all, all, all right. Don't get me wrong. I love these type of games. Is it an amazing game? No, it's not. But it's it's yeah. Well, it's what are really you talking well marketed. about? <laughs> it's really well marketed. Yeah, and it has yes. like a, that addicting component of collection upgrade Evo, which mm -hmm. is the same as Summer's War, or whatever. All those type of games. So it's mm -hmm. I played it a little bit. It's all right. Um, but this yeah. company should have been acquired, not 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 going public. So we'll yeah, see. Well. we'll see what happens. Starting down to. I think eight eight and change um, after the first day of trading. So, it, it, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. Let's take a little break and talk about how to boost your live ops. Now, we all know that you need great people and fantastic tools to get the most out of your live games. And I'm sure you got the people part covered. But how fantastic your, your tools truly are. Well, listen, if your game is made with Unity, you need to check out Beamable. Beamable is like an operating system for live games built in Unity. Beamable simplifies everything from updating your game to selling all those cool in-game items with special offers. And when it comes to live events and competitive features like leaderboards, Beamable got you covered. And Beamable is not only for your product folks. With visual prefabs for Unity and the ability to keep, you all, to keep all your server code in C-sharp means life is simpler for your programmers, and most importantly, you'll get to the market faster. If much lower cost of development and efficiency of operations is your jam, then Beamable is your toast. Go to Beamable.com because Deconstructor of Fun told you so. On to the next news. Playtika acquires Reworks. So Playtika has acquired 80% of Reworks for $400 million in cash. Playtika will purchase the remaining 20% of Reworks up for up to $200 million in cash based on 2022 company EBITDA. So very, you know, very shortly after. Uh, in 18 months since its launch, Redecor, sorry, Redecor, which we have talked about in this podcast. It's a game that is competing directly with Design Home. Uh, so Redecor became the number two design entertainment app. Interesting way of defining it um, on an in-app in purchase revenue. And for context, Design Home at the moment, according to Sensor Tower, is about eight million a month run. Hmm, I'm not sure if, if this is correct. Run rates eight eight million a month uh, run rate. That sounds uh, right. Versus. Yeah, versus Redecor is six million a month in net revenue. So Redecor at the moment has twenty percent more installs a month than Design Home, and I'm going to make a bet. I think with the support of Playtika, their strong publishing org, more resources, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna pretty much, you know, they're gonna beat Design Home inside a year. I think it's gonna be the uh, the biggest year. Oh, I, I think give them a few months, but uh... <laughs> okay. And then we'll, we'll see what, what the uh, what the design home is going to be under EA. I mean, of course, they're going to invest, but but that competition is going to heat up. And I want to say just huge congrats to Il Teppo and the whole team uh, at uh, at Redecor. These are your yeah, boys, and, right? These are your friends. Well, 
No? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say friends, but I know Ilka pretty well. Dude. We've we've met and Dude, they, and, they, they um, started this thing what six months ago. I applaud this acquisition on both sides. First of all, Playtika needs to diversify because social casino is going to be a real struggle and a real slodge, I think. Um, and two, I think this is a great place to be, and and the the game is done very very well, and the team seems solid. And yeah, this is the way. Of, I think it's win win win. It's expensive for one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's expensive, but uh, yeah. you know, they got the but, money. But um, it's it's a three year old three year old company, right? Three years old. Yeah, some like that's that. an oh, amazing. That okay, that's yeah, but still three years old for six hundred million plus two hundred yeah, on top. All right. That's amazing yeah, yeah. outcome. No, four hundred plus two hundred, right? Four hundred percent. Yeah, four hundred. Okay, okay six hundred. Yeah. Okay, six hundred all in. Um, what you know, what's interesting to me about this is that uh, you know, Plarium just bought Future Play, right? I think these Israeli studios are really uh, rushing into Finland. This yeah, you know Aristocrat <laughs> opened up. Yeah, Aristocrat opened up uh, a studio That's here. That's right, Aristocrat. It's fucking Finland. Damn it! <laughs> More news. No, no, but there's a, there's a, there's a. You have to kind of think it the other way around because think about it. Finland had some amazing studios that are very profitable and very yeah. big, and everything has been sold. Everything. Yeah. Versus yeah. in Israel, they are just. They're like, oh, you got some studios. Cool story. Sell us to us, and and um, you know, Supercell is kind of pushing. They they've um. They've invested into um, MetaCore, and that one is scaling pretty nicely. But, but I kind of, yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit of a double edged sword. Gotta I would have goddamn believed. internet, yeah. man. Why is it that Mishka <laughs> never has a good connection? <laughs> Come on, it's it's Show it's just my neighborhood. The audience, it's, dude, get some cable it's, line, it's, dude. Get a trunk. It's, it's I don't my, know, whatever it is, dude. Make it happen. I. Tr- I've tried yeah. everything. I've tried everything. It's Come on, my man. neighborhood like, is just absolutely crazy. How can Finland have the most, the best gaming developers and technology people in the world, and you can't get a fucking good internet connection? Back? Look at this. Look at this. I live by the beach. There's not. There's. There's no good internet here. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one. Last and update. I, I got shit when I was actually on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm in a I'm in, in front of a, a photo of a beach and my internet is oh, breaking wow. down. This is how bad it is. <laughs> Anyways, NewZoo cloud gaming will reach 23.7 million paying users and generate 1.6 billion in 2021. Chris, what do you think about this? I, I just renew my objections to this fantasy. I'm sorry, Candace. I, I really apologize. I said I wouldn't talk trash about NewZoo, but. Enough of these press releases of this bullshit forecast. I actually read this thing finally, like after, you know, <laughs> talking all kinds of trash. And I, I, I think there's definitional issues. There, there's three main issues. The definitional issues, like their cloud gaming revenue is all consumer spending related to cloud gaming services, which is relatively nebulous, including full game purchases, which is not really cloud gaming if they're downloading and installing, if that's what they're including. So it's hard to say, right? But 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 there could be a definitional problem here, right? Because 1.6 billion seems ridiculous. Um, the second thing is that uh, oh no, there's three. There's four things actually. Is that Asia represents half the revenue, and I have no idea what's going on in Asia with cloud gaming. That may be right. Let's just say for a moment that that is half of it. But I don't even believe 800 million coming from the West. So so that that's that's still ridiculous. But the, the the fundamental problem though is they're talking about not. Sorry, I'm trying to get the get the data here, but they, they're talking about revenue of like sixty some six billion or something, seven billion by in three years. It's it's ridiculous. But the fundamental problem is their methodology. The methodology is the biggest issue. They're taking a top down 
approach. They're starting off with like some insane number of online population and dwindling it down to those that will are going to be playing cloud gaming. And that's not the right approach. <laughs> Bottoms up, right? How many fucking people are spending money on cloud services right now? Zero, right? So like something like GeForce Now, which has like 10 million registered users, that's an irrelevant metric. Like 10 million is not that, that there's like probably less than 1 million people actually using the service on a regular basis or paying for it. They're probably all, you know, registered people are trying the service similar to like PlayStation Now, which the only reason that PlayStation Now is probably doing better is because they, they, they converted it to a download and play service. Right. And so, and then if they have any revenue, one cent of revenue from Microsoft, I will puke. Right, because there's no way that cloud services are the are being used by Microsoft players. It's ridiculous, They're totally ridiculous. Right, so the whole thing is is a fa- is is a fantasy. And, uh, and and I'm sorry, Candace. I know you're moving over to GeForce now. I think you're great, but I just don't think that this is it, this holds water at all. But um, you know, we'll see. All right, that's it. I don't even why, why am I talking about this more? Why are they putting this out there again? We've already talked about it. Like why is why is the PR machine working so hard to piss yeah. me off? Okay? Stop it. Moving on. Uh all yes. right. So Moving on. next we're going to talk about uh Apple will let developers accept payments outside App Store in a major concession amid antitrust pressure. And then related article to that is also Apple and Google must allow developers to use other payment systems new Korean law declares. So Eric, I think you have some notes about this. All right, dude, by the way, this I have not comments and shit. Didn't I call this like two weeks ago? Didn't I say that the wagons were circling against Apple and then these two big announcements happen, right? Particularly the, 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 the sorry, the, the, uh, the concession of Apple to move outside the app store. That's bullshit, right? That's total Apple. Anyway, all right, let's get into it, right? Well, but, I, I, have, I, have th- I have thoughts there, but you, go ahead. I, I want to just, just wait just, on, the, on the fact that ta- I'm Nostradamus. Ta- no, right. well, yeah, I have thoughts there too, but I'll, <laughs> I'll share them in private. But uh, I have thoughts around the uh, the the Apple the Apple allowing the notification uh, the communications that about non App Store payment. Anyway, just tag me in okay. when you're done. Okay, okay, got it. All right. So first, um, Apple will let uh, accept payments outside the App Store. Now, I think. A lot of companies are already doing this, like Playtika, Plarium, Genshin, all these other guys were, were already doing this stuff. Um, this was obviously an attempt to appease the forces that are going against them right now, but it's not going to be enough. It's not even going to be close to enough uh, for what it is. And like Senator uh, Amy Klobuchar was the one that kind of like spearheading this thing in the U.S. And they're basically saying the new action at Apple is a good first step to addressing some of these concerns. But more must be done to ensure an open, competitive, and mobile app marketplace, including common sense legislation to set rules of the road for dominant app stores. So that, this is not enough, Apple. Sorry. You know, they, they tried to placate the, the powers against them, but that's not working. Uh, Rich Blumenthal said uh, it adds momentum to the further exposes the rant- rampant anti-competitive abuses in the app market. The fox guarding the hen house status quo will remain until there's a clear and enforceable rules for Apple and Google to play by. So again, not, not, not doing enough. Um, and then Megan Demuzzo was even more militant about this. She's in the coalition of app fairness, uh, representing Epic, Spotify, and others. Apple's sham settlement offers, offers nothing more than a desperate attempt to avoid the judgment of courts, regulators, and legislatures worldwide. I love that quote. <laughs> So anyway, so unfortunately, these concessions are not enough. And so I, I do think that Apple ultimately will be forced to open up 
the App Store to some degree. Um, now, again, what I think is happening, in, what, what will ultimately happen is what's happening in Korea. Uh, and they're basically saying, look, they must allow developers in Korea. They have to have developers allowed to use other payment systems. Um, and if they fail to comply with this law, they could face up to 3% of their South Korean revenue um, as as penalty. Uh, so anyway, neither company is really happy about all this, Google and Apple. Um, they want to keep Android free is kind of their, their quote, um, and also provide the tools and the platforms to access billions of consumers around the world, yada, 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 the same old thing. But the fact is that anyone with any type of common sense realizes that 30% doesn't make any sense. Um, so again, my take here is that I think it's only a matter of time. It's not really if, but when um, they're going to have to open up the app ecosystem to alternative payments. You know, maybe they get some platform fee, like base platform fee for revenue uh, for developing the ecosystem itself. But I think they've been, but, but then again, they've been paid that a hundred times over, over the last decade, you know, since, since, since these, these stores existed. So I think it's just time to open up the ecosystem. And as I said, a few weeks ago, exactly what I said. And, and I think it's, again, something that everyone can understand and get behind, you know, and Apple has no reasonable counter argument for this. My 80 year old, nine year old mom can understand that 30% <laughs> ongoing fee makes no fucking sense. You know, it makes no sense. Right. So finally, Apple will get theirs. But ironically, the stock has not even had a dead, dude. It's still at an all time high. Like it's people are just completely ignoring this whole idea, which is, which is crazy. So I'd love to get Mr. Eric Sufer, the smart Eric and his opinion on, or his take on this. But I think, it's a sign of things to come. What do you think? Oh, it's this is this is this is happening. Like the the <laughs> the gears are in motion. There's no stopping this at, at this point. I think the South Korea thing is 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 sort of more symbolic because that means hey, we no longer have this sort of policy worldwide, right? There's a country in the world that doesn't allow us <clears throat> to only feature our payment system, and so therefore there will be more. I think that's the domino. There's a, that's the first domino to fall. I do want to say one thing though because. Okay, so the settlement happened. So first of all, just to point something out, in the, with the settlement, the settlement was $100 million, It was a class action against Apple. Um, what we found out was that their small business program where they cut the rate in half for small businesses, that, right. that, was, a, that was a concession that was motivated by the, the suit. They did that. as So we're finding out that all these things that Apple's been doing we're really just a result of being sued in this class action lawsuit. Right, right. right. Um, and, and, you know, this is, of course, like no one's going to say thank you, Apple, for uh, this new sort of like ability to communicate the alternative payments because, well, it was the result of a lawsuit. They didn't do that out of some sense of duty or benevolence, right? They did it because they got sued and that was part of the settlement. Um, but the other thing is I'll point out that the lawyers in the case, they took 30%. <laughs> they, the lawyer, the, the legal team took 30% of the $100 million. Nice. Nice. But, nice. But, so just, <laughs> but they earned that 30%. They earned that shit, dude. They were working day and night, thousands yeah. of hours to make this thing happen. What does that mean? Yeah. Dude, Google just announced that it only costs 6% to run these transaction <laughs> right. systems and run the store, right? It wasn't that announced. Right, right. Like, that yeah, makes well, yeah. sense. That right. makes sense. Right. Um, so anyway, so the uh, the the what what Apple because I think it was it was a little bit there was it was weird because there was there was this there was this deluge of articles about how this was a massive change, right? And I think a lot of the reporters didn't really understand what the change was, and they sort of like they they overstated the change, right? So what this is is what what Apple agreed to in the settlement was not to allow alternative payments, right? That of course not. 
what Apple no. agreed to was that they clarified the language of their terms that um, it, so they, they now make it very clear that you may communicate to your users about the existence of alternative payments for your app, but you can only do that outside of the app. So you can't have um, like, you, you know, you can't have any sort of language in the app about the fact that you could, you, that, that the user could pay for the app outside of the app. But if you get their email, for instance, you can, you can email them, right? So that, that had been, that's, that's only a new change, right? Like that, 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 that disallowed that, right? So the fact that that was disallowed was, was very recent. Um, before that you could, but it still was kind of a gray area, right? So here's how a lot of apps operated. Um, and especially in the health and fitness space, this is how every app operates. You, you would, you would buy ads driving people to a web destination. You'd collect all their information, including their email. You would push them through this really long onboarding process. You would try to convert them at the end of this onboarding process, get their credit card information. And then you say, okay, well now you're, you're in, regardless of whether they, they, um, converted or not, you'd say, okay, well, you've been onboarded, your account is created, go download the app. And so when the user went to then download the app, you already had their email address, right? And so you could email them and say, hey, you know, um, while you're doing your free trial, keep in mind that if you want to subscribe on the website, it's 20% discounted relative to the app, right? And so you would try to get them to, to subscribe on the web, just as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. That was, that was technically not allowed, but everyone did it, right? But, but there was always a fear that, hey, if Apple finds out that you're doing it or they they sort of they believe that you're you're emailing this user um, on the basis of having collected their email from within the app, which was disallowed. Then they they could block your update, right? And that happens sometimes. People's app updates got blocked, and it was annoying. But but you know, nevertheless, um, this persisted. So now the 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 the, um, the term is, or so the, the terms say that you can do that if you can communicate the existence of these alternative payment systems outside of the app, right? So. The press got it wrong. It's not, you know, the introduction of new payment systems. It's, it's kind of this clarification. It's very nuanced clarification of this rule. Um, and it's, it's, you still have to drive users to, to convert outside of the app. But I still think it's kind of a big deal. I know a lot of companies are excited about this. Um, you know, the biggest gaming companies were kind of already doing this, but now the little guys are going to start doing this. It is going to change things, I think. Um, because you can, you can collect email address from within the app and then email now. So I do think it's a big deal for developers. I think developers will find a way to use this and make more money out of it, but it's not the big deal. The big deal is, hey, we're going to allow you to offer alternative payments within the, within your app, right? It's all taking place within the app. That will be the big deal, and it's just a matter of time. It's I think it's just a, it's a matter of a year now, I think. South Korea did it. I think the EU will follow suit, and then yeah, you know, I, at some point it's going to go worldwide. I, I have to agree with you, I, and I think Google's at risk, obviously, as well. I mean, like – yeah. You know, Apple's a I think bad actor, a, but like Google. So the last article um, is called Facebook undercounted SK ad network conversions for iPhone 12 users since February. And it comes from um, Ad Exchanger. My friend Alice, Allison Schiff wrote this. And uh, this, um, I, you know, I, I bring this up because it basically affects every single uh, Facebook mobile app advertiser. And what, what essentially happened was... Um, Facebook uh, had not implemented the mechanism that sends the post back back to the ad network um, in its blue app. So anyone who bought ads from Facebook's blue app, not Instagram, Instagram was working fine, but bought ads from Facebook's blue app, anytime an iPhone 12 user um, clicked on the ad and, and, and installed the, the, the app, um, 
that that ad the the post back wasn't sent back to Facebook, so it it, it didn't count the conversions. It didn't it didn't even receive the postbacks from iPhone 12 users, right? So, and this is since February. They they sent an email out um, a couple of days ago to advertisers saying that they had fixed this bug, but the bug had had been affecting ad campaigns since February. So essentially, no iPhone 12 postbacks had ever been received for SK Ad Network. Um, you know, because February is when when this iOS 14 campaigns launched. Uh, so that's a massive screw up, uh, probably a, a billions ish dollar uh, screw up. Um, I was speaking with uh, a friend I, I won't name um, last night, just trying to estimate the impact here. So I and I'll get to that in a second. But so basically what happened was the email got sent out. I wrote this tweet about it and the tweet like went crazy viral. And then, uh, you know, that's that's what kind of drew attention to this. I think if you know, maybe if I hadn't tweeted about it, no one would have really noticed because it was the the, 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 art, the email was very vague. But, um, you know, when you dig into it, essentially what happened was, yeah, I, uh, iPhone 12, postbacks for iPhone 12 uh, users were not being sent uh, since February, since it's launched, right? And so um, when I wrote the tweet, then I kind of wrote another tweet thread just sort of digging in about, like, what, what this actually means. And then a VP of Facebook sort of responded and said, um, this led to underreporting of some advertisers' conversion metrics based on our iOS user base. We believe around 10% of total SK Ad Network conversions were not counted or reported, right? So that's... 10% of all iOS conversions, right? Because um, again, it only impacted iPhone 12. So going, you know, taking, starting from there, how much could this potentially have cost Facebook, right? So if you think 25 billion was their uh, earnings in the first quarter, times two quarters, 50 billion, times 25% for iOS install ads, that's probably about right, um, but that's just a ballpark estimate. So that's 12.5 billion times 10% is $1.25 billion mistake, right? Now, again, this didn't impact Instagram, so it's hard to know what the split there is. Let's call that 50-50. But that's still like $625 million in lost revenue, that's right? Or basically un- I know. I know it's peanuts. <laughs> I know it's peanuts. But this essentially was like there was, some, there was some switch that wasn't flipping for iPhone 12 users in the blue app, right? Like there was just a – it was literally just a bug, like software bug that didn't flip that switch to, to, to send the, the, uh, the conversion out or the, the post back out. And so that was a like call that a six hundred million dollar just like if then statement that was like not like not checked right like like an intern committed some code that <laughs> that wasn't checked and resulted in like six hundred million dollars in 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 sort of like undercounted uh, revenue under underclaimed revenue right so anyway um, that happened so I think that the takeaway here though is actually good news right I mean Facebook had has been very, very problematic has been very challenging for a lot of advertisers. Well, the good news is there was a bug. There was a bug was, was accounted for some of that, right? And that bug has been fixed, right? So maybe advertisers can expect their Facebook ad campaigns to improve by 10%, right? Cause Facebook will start counting 10% more conversions. But, um, you know, it's kind of an, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting sort of development that there was just, yeah, it was a bug. And for that reason, uh, 10% of, of your conversions weren't counted. But anyway, there was, um, that was, that was the sort of big, uh, hubbub this week uh, in the mobile ads world. Very cool. And Mishka? I think Mishka's out. Finished internet, dude. Yeah. What, what can you do? Well, he lives on like an island, though. Is that right? Uh, well, I mean, sort of. He lives over in Espo, but it's like, it's not central Helsinki. When I first moved to Finland, um, the, uh, no, it's not, it's not an island. It's, it's, uh, it's just outer Helsinki. When I first moved to Helsinki, the company that uh, hired me put me up in, a, in like a temporary uh, apartment. And it was on an island, like uh, this just little island. I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. And like, it was not cool at all. There was no, there was nothing there, but like one big apartment complex and a couple houses. So like, if you got hungry or whatever, 
it was like a 30 minute bus ride into town. <laughs> oh You're my just God. surrounded by like woods. Oh yeah, that's too remote for me. Yeah. So you out uh, these days. Oh man, we I'm I'm doing Uber Eats like almost every day. Yeah, it's well we had our kitchen was uh, getting remodeled. And so we, oh yeah. It's been like we've been on vacation for the last like 3 months, you know, and and like every yeah. every meal is is you know 100 bucks or something. It's right. Nuts, yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually not good. I, I can't even imagine the amount of money we spent this year. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, the kitchen remodel was not cheap either. So, um, well, I don't know. He says his internet's dead. Okay. Well, um, why don't we just do an outro and then I guess he'll get the recording and and can edit it up. God, let's hope. Yeah, I don't hope this wasn't a wasted hour. Um, well, that was it. That was the podcast. Miska's internet died. And um, he's no longer with us. Uh, but yeah. that was the end of the podcast. Uh, Viva La Finland. Let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's give them some support to build some better internet, right? Maybe, maybe the Americans can kick down some billions. Um, anyway, yeah. he says to send love to everybody uh, as he's uh, communicating via tele- telex right now <laughs> from Finland. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just I just Bye. got his carrier pigeon. He says, uh, <laughs> "Thanks for listening." 